You are about to hear a message from one of our worship services at Rescue Church, located in West New York, New Jersey. If you'd like to visit or learn more about us, please check out www.rescuechurch.tv. And uh, so today I want to talk about the word secret. And uh, we're going to get into what that means. Now, the Greek word is the word cryptos, where we get crypto. Hidden. We're going to get into that. Because, listen, the first thing is we're in a season of exposure. The body of Christ is being sifted and judged. Over the last three months, major voices, major apostolic leaders have been exposed all around the issue of perversion. Andy Stanley teaching LGBTQ stuff like it's all good. Has a national platform. He got exposed. Mike Bickle he got exposed. And now the thing with T.D. Jakes. He got exposed. And even if it's not true, the stain will never be wiped away. This is what I want to say to you. Before we come in a spirit of pointing a finger, because when you point a finger, you position yourself to be next. As believers, we want to have a high moral standard, but in the spirit of extending a hand, not pointing a finger. The spirit in which you do things, it, it shows what you're really like. See, today I was worshiping and the Lord spoke to me and he said, I have known your soul in adversity and I will keep you in prosperity. I will keep you. God will keep you if you let him. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you, but you, you have to let him keep you. you. You can't be wiggling and fighting and trying to do your own thing thinking he's going to keep you. You have to do things according to his standards because he's created safe boundaries for us with the word of God, with the truth to keep us. And here's the thing, the things in your life that are hidden, they will come out. That's why it's much better to allow the Lord to graciously deal with the things in your life that you're going through, to come to Him, to bring it to Him, to say, Father, this is a struggle that I have. This is My kid is not going to come to me for help. I'm not going to cast him out. I'm not going to cast... So if, if you, you have a Father in Heaven, he's, he, it, you can go to Him with this stuff, with this hidden stuff, because stuff that's hidden will be... Exposed. So we have, as believers, we have two options. We can humble ourselves or we'll be humiliated. And it's much better for us to just humble ourselves and acknowledge, okay, God, we need your help. And so anyway, in Psalm 25, I'm going to jump around for a few minutes, but in Psalm 25, it says this, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So the word secret here has a bunch of meanings, but in the book of Job, it's, it's translated as the friendly counsel. In Hebrew, uh, the, the word is sod, S-O-D, sod, and it has a bunch of meanings. One of the meanings is a circle of confidants. Who is your circle? Who speaks into your life? Circle of confidants. Um, another word is the word intimacy. The intimacy of the Lord, which is the closeness, the nearness, the authenticity, the transparency the full disclosure. Another word in Hebrew that is used is the confidential 
discussion. Confidential discussion. If you're going to be a leader, you have to have, you have to be discreet and you have to know this cannot be repeated, that cannot be repeated. If I ever went nuts and went on Instagram or Facebook, I could ruin so many people's lives. Yeah, so you have to just really, when someone says something to you, you have to, you have to know that you have to assume that they don't want it repeated unless they say you can repeat it. Uh, Annette knows that as a therapist, and so this is, this is just basic information here. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. This is a psalm of David. This, so where there is reverence, there is revelation. Okay. In the New Covenant, the wisdom of God is hidden in a mystery. What does that mean? That means that it, I need revelation to have access to wisdom. But what precedes revelation is hunger and humility. So you will have a revelation of whatever you seek after. We know what you really desire by what you seek after. David said, the one thing that I desire, I will seek after. Now, you're talking about someone who has everything a man could want. He has power, fame, women. He, he is well-liked. He has insane prosperity. He has great battlefield uh, victories. Like everything a man would want, he has that. And this is, this is what he said. The one thing I desire, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. So in the beginning of your journey with the Lord, you are all broken down. You're messed up. You know, you, you are living immorally. You have, you have probably money issues. You have all types of issues and issues touching issues. And you got all types of issues. But as God heals you and God makes you whole, you love him for him. You don't just love him for what he can do for you. But you love him for him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not diligently seek what he has for them. Are, are you hearing me? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek, search out. Another word this, the, the Greek uses is the word investigate, which means instead of investigating T.D. Jakes and everybody on the internet, why don't you investigate Jesus? Why don't you search out Jesus? Why don't you seek after Jesus? Why don't you let him search you? Because before we point our finger at everyone else, David said, search me. Know me. Try me. You know what? You know what? That, what that, was, that, was, that was an expression of a man who has spent time in the presence of God. Because when you spend time in the presence of God, not only do you encounter God, but you encounter where you really are. People who don't have self-awareness, they don't spend time in the presence of God. They do Baptist prayers, they give God their list of to-do lists, and they leave. But if you spend time in the presence of God, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and what was he to Israel? What they didn't have. Israel didn't have a king on a throne. What was God in that season? A king on a throne. God is always what you're lacking. He's always what you need. And then the prophet is the one who speaks on God's behalf, finds out he has a problem, not just Israel. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. So when you come into contact with the presence of the Lord, you come into contact with the brokenness in your life. And that is the best place for us to deal with. The brokenness is in our Father's presence. Right? If my kids are going to freak out and have a meltdown, who better to have a meltdown with than their father or their mother? Right. And so if we're going to kind of erupt and have, uh, you know, craziness going on in our life, it's, it's, it's better and it's safer to take it to the Lord. OK. The secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. 
Now, if you go over, there's a few more scriptures here today. We're going to go to Job 29. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And if you get the revelation of Job 29, your life will never be the same uh, because there's just so much in Job 29. It's one of my favorite passages of all of scripture. And everything hangs on the word because. Everything hangs on the word because in verse 13. Excuse me, verse 12. But I'm not going to read all that today. This is in verse 4. Just as I was in the days of my prime when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. <laughs> the confidential discussion of God. The friendly presence of God, the, 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 the friend that is looking out for his friend. Beautiful. Let's go to Proverbs 3.32 for a minute. I want you to get, I want this, 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 this word to get into your spirit. One of the things that preaching is supposed to do is make you hungry. Hungry for Jesus, hungry for the word. Proverbs 3 and verse 32, it says this, For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. What is the upright? The straight. Those who do what is right, those who speak what is right, people who are not crooked. People, crooked people always looking for some sort of hustle and some sort of thing and stuff like No, no, no. Straight. Straight, not crooked, upright. Someone who is upright is confident. Someone who is upright is straight. They're not hiding stuff. Someone who is not upright, well, they're hiding stuff. Shame. Jeremiah 23, I love this one. This is another one. Very, uh, very good verse here. It makes me think of the beloved prophet Abner Suarez here. Jeremiah 23, verse 18, it says, For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Who has perceived his word and heard it? Uh, who has marked his word, rather, and heard it? Marked is, is, is to, to listen and, and to take note and to pay attention and to... Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of God, which means he didn't preach a half a truth, a half a gospel, the thing that everyone likes, and then withholds the things that people don't want to hear. He said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of God. So we, we need to be people who stand in the counsel of the Lord, and we need to be people who then speak the full counsel of the Lord, which means the whole truth of Scripture, not the truth that is convenient, not the truth that is popular, but the truth is that God is a judge and that he's righteous and that he's good, and eventually he'll turn people over to what they want, and you'll see it. That's another story. Uh, Proverbs 25, we're going back to this for a second. This is... This is now we're getting ready to get into the word here because Proverbs 25 is going to launch us into the next season of this, uh, this discourse here. Now, Proverbs 25, I overturned it here. Proverbs 25 in verse 2. This is a beautiful verse. I hope this verse makes you hungry. You know, when people are hungry, they'll do whatever it takes. I know people, I met people, that crossed the Sahara Desert to get to Melilla, Spain, with the hopes of coming to America. I know a guy who they put him in a bumper of a car, poked holes in the bumper so he could breathe, and drove across parts of Africa so he can get into Melilla, Spain. I know people that swam the coast of Algeria 
to get into Melia, Spain. When, when, when someone is hungry for something, they won't be denied. The problem is usually we're not hungry. Usually we have not had enough and we're not ready really to apprehend something. We're, we're not. We're not ready for Lambana. We got limp wrist. We're not. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. All right. This is how Bill Johnson said it. The mysteries of the kingdom aren't hidden from you. They're hidden for you. What does that mean? That means God conceals things so that you have to press in for those things to be revealed because he wants you to have them, but he only wants those to have them who really want to have them. Does that make sense? You, you, the, the desire in the kingdom is one of the things that gives us direction. So if you are hungry for the Lord, then you will seek after the Lord. You, whatever you're hungry for, you will have. You will have more of what you're hungry for. Right? All right. So it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. The blood of Jesus has made us kings and priests. We, all of the answers in your life are not going to come from Google. I, I understand how useful it is. I, I use it in my study. My children talk to Alexa all day long. Zoe does her math on that. She's really, I mean... <laughs> So you got to watch out, but and I and I'm thankful for the technology that we have, and I'm not going to act like I don't appreciate it. I do, but there are some things that you're only going to find your answer in the Word of God. You're only going to find peace in the presence of God. You're only going to find a sense of resolution when you're willing to deal with things and not deflect. All right. Inquiring of the Lord is an expression of intimacy with the Lord. So what happens is, let me, let me explain something. The Lord will, let's say, reveal something to you. He'll say something to you. And it's really an invitation for you to inquire more. And when you go on that journey, you grow as you desire more. And as you desire more, you grow. I don't, I don't know if this is making sense, but maybe the Lord will highlight a verse to you or he'll highlight a topic or um, what I've seen is that the Lord will cause your hunger and your appetite to change, right? I'm seeing this happen with Jose. Jose is reading things and he's asking questions and the hunger that he has is actually the thing preparing him for his next season and his next assignment. So hunger, you have to pay very close attention to your appetites. You can't let them rule you, but there is a reason why you desire certain things. So just because you desire something doesn't mean it's God, doesn't mean it's the devil. You have to have discernment as it relates to why do you desire what it is that you desire in the season you're desiring it because God is probably preparing you for the next season. Okay? Inquiring of the Lord, again, is an expression of intimacy with the Lord. So the Lord will reveal something and that's good, but He wants you to press in for more. Don't just go, oh, great, I have a revelation. Press in for more. For, for example, more is something very, very, most people are not, they don't think of it this way, but let's just say you want to have success in your life, in your business, let's just say, right? And your business is a financial business. In that financial business, let's say it's a you know, consulting or something like that, you're, you're helping people invest their money, whatever it is. 
In that business, you don't just need to know about money and markets. You need to know about communication. You need to know about human psychology. You need to learn about relationships. You need to learn about different cultures because you're going to interact with people who have different levels of expectation, different levels of communication. So there's a, few, there's a bunch of different things that surround the thing that you're doing that will either make you or break you. So it's the same thing when the Lord gives you a revelation. That's the beginning of something. But when you inquire and you press in and you begin to understand the things that surround that, now you don't just have revelation, you have understanding. If all I have is revelation, then my experience is not valuable to you. But if I have understanding of the revelation and if I have experience with the revelation, then I, I can become like a mechanic instead of just someone who can drive a car. No, I understand now how to fix a car because I have understanding. And the difference between someone who can drive a car and the dumb, someone who can fix a car is understanding. So it's a different level. And God wants you, especially if you're going to be a leader, you're going to serve the purposes of the kingdom for your life. God wants you to be someone who has understanding so that when someone comes to you and you listen to them from a place of compassion, from a place of wisdom, you can speak to them about what's going on in their life because you have understanding. So in the season that God is building trust in my life, it doesn't matter if I have understanding. Because I'm learning to trust him and trust is a wineskin for understanding. And if you don't learn to trust him, you're not ready to steward understanding. Because someone who understands and doesn't trust the Lord, it's pride. They think they're beyond where they are, but they're not. And you see this all the time. People are on Instagram, people are on Facebook. They're trying to fix the world's problems. They don't even tithe. You're trying to, you know what is wrong with everyone else and you're not dealing with what is wrong with you. It doesn't even make sense. It's, it's, it's insane. And we live in a culture that feeds disorder, dysfunction, and chaos. It's insane. Anyway, I'm going to get off of that. But it's, to, it's totally... Like when you, when you look at stuff and you see the reality of, of what goes on with people, you're like, that's not... This is not even... Anyway, all right, let's get out of that. Let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, this is Jesus. Jesus, he is doing something beautiful. He is presuming, <laughs> it's awesome. He is presuming that his people will do the right thing. He's assuming the best of you. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, not if, when. These are, these are all, these are the three most core decisions that you'll ever make in your life. When you give, you're saying yes to people in a good way. Uh, when you pray, you're saying yes to God. You're not just trying to get God to say yes to you. And when you fast, you're saying no to yourself. If you cannot say yes to people, Yes to God and no to yourself, you will self-destruct. All of the human core decisions come from one of these places. So when you give, you're breaking the power of greed. When you pray, you're breaking the power of pride. And when you fast, you're breaking the power of lust. Pastor Jason Alvarez said something really striking to me recently, but he was, he was preaching and he said that secret sins keep people from the secret place. But, here's what I'm saying, the secret place is how you'll overcome secret sins. If you don't let God in on your secrets, you're lying to yourself because he knows anyway. So you might as well confess it and say, okay, Father, I've got a struggle here, as you can see. <laughs> you know, um, as you can see, I'm, I'm battling something and it's beating me. And I, I, I want to live in the victory that you paid for. So let's be honest. And then what you got to do is, in addition to being honest, you got to then begin to understand why do you do this? Why? I'll give you an example of a pastor friend of mine was dealing with a problem 
this guy came and uh, he was on the worship team in a church and he moved in with his girlfriend so they removed him from the worship team and uh, he, the pastor said I told you not to do that you're rebellious you didn't listen and so I have to remove you from the worship team so they got married and so he goes okay pastor I'm ready to rejoin the worship team you know what he said no you're not you're not ready to rejoin the worship team here's why you're not ready because you haven't dealt with why you're rebellious and until you deal with why you're rebellious whatever you're singing is not worship that's not worship so now people go oh that's harsh or that's rude or that's mean no actually it's merciful here's why because if you put someone in a position that they don't deserve to be there because they don't live holy and they don't live right, you're actually setting them up to fail, not setting them up to succeed. So that level of compromise, although it's, it, it appears to be gracious and merciful, it actually is setting them up to fail. So the most merciful thing the pastor could do is love the guy more than his gift and say, okay, why? What brought you to a place where you, you did what you know you shouldn't do, right? And then if you deal with that, then yes, you can be restored to a position, but, but if, if you don't deal with that, that then it'll, it will later deal with you, and then guess who's going to have to manage the scandal? Then the pastor has to deal with it, and then people look at him and go, what's his problem? What is he, stupid? Because he's having someone that is not ready for that, and then he has a whole mess to deal with, and then people are mad at him. See, you have to, you have to think about the consequences of your actions. So did you know that prayer is the key to overcoming pride? Do you know what, what, what prayerlessness says is, I don't need God? Pride says two things. I don't need God, I don't need people. When you hear people say, I don't need people, that is a very warped, not true. Not true. Even Michael Jordan needs someone to pass the ball to him. The idea that you don't need people is, 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 is honestly a ridiculous, delusional idea that hurt people say to try to protect themselves from not being hurt again. So if people who live in a spirit of rejection say, I don't need people, they're rejecting people, they're not letting people in because they don't want to get hurt because they've been hurt. Instead of getting healed, they keep people out, and those people that they keep out are the very people that can get them free. Because God always does work through people. So anyway, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. No wages, no pay. Therefore, when you do it a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, hidden, uh, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So one of the words for secret is the word cryptos, which is hidden, which means the Father is always looking at the unseen things in our life. Integrity is when you are the same person behind closed doors as you are in real life. Someone who has integrity doesn't mind if their wife picks their phone up. Someone who has integrity doesn't, mean, doesn't have any problem giving an account for their life. So Jesus is saying, when you do charitable deeds, when you give, do not give to be seen. Do not give, so that cannot be your motive. You cannot give to be seen. So if that is your motive, then your reward is, oh, you're amazing. You're this and you're that. But the Father has a reward. And, and the word there is also the word wages. So what does that mean? That means that the Father wants to pay you back openly 
for what you've done privately. That's good. Because that, that's him showing, I see what you do. And I will reward you. And no one can stop me from rewarding you. So you will always live to please who you believe your promotion comes from. If you believe your promotion comes from man, you will live to please man. If you believe your promotion comes from the Lord, you will live to please the Lord. You will be way happier if you live to please the Lord. Because, can I tell you why? Do you know it's easier to please God than people? You know why? God is happy. People are miserable. Most people are miserable. Most people, you know, they say one thing, do another. You agree upon something. You do what you agreed on. It's not good enough for them. Like, but God doesn't change. He has simple standards. Like, you live this way. This is, this is pleasing to me. People are like all over the place. One day they like you. The next day they ghost you and leave the church. They say, oh, we're here. We're, we're here, man. We're, we're good. Two weeks later, you never see them again in their life. They didn't even email you. I mean, it's really good that you don't base your self-worth on how people value you. Because you, if you're a pastor or whatever, you'll, you'll jump off a bridge. See, you can never, you can never base your self-worth on how other people perceive you. If I need your approval, I cannot minister to you and I cannot lead you. Okay. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. So, for example, let's say I'm going to buy a homeless guy food, Right? I'm not going to be taking a selfie and putting that on Instagram. Do you understand? Yep. Now, if, as a church or as a ministry, we're doing something, I'm going to show what we're doing. But I don't, if I write a check, I don't take a picture of the check and put it on Instagram and say, I just sold $500 to this or that. So he's speaking of the motives of the heart. So the motive of giving should be love, not glory. That's why I'm not into, you know, you go into a, a big church and they got, you know, Deacon so-and-so's name on the wall because they gave a $10,000 check for the foyer or something like that. I don't want that. I don't want that. In fact, I know people that their tithe is so much that they, they give through a foundation so people don't know it's them. So you, you don't, it doesn't matter what people see. What matters is your heart is right with God and you're walking in obedience to God. All right? So do not give to be seen. Your father sees in secret and it's his desire and it's his delight to reward you openly. Do you know that it's in God's best interest to bless your life? Let me ask you a question. Do you think you make a better representative of the kingdom blessed and happy and joyful or busted and disgusted? Do you think people go, oh man, those are really busted up sneakers and you got a terrible haircut. I can't wait to hear you next Sunday. Whether you, whether you realize it or not, the world is always watching us. And they, they see things. And they, and they determine if you're someone worth listening to or not. Based on how you act, based on how you respond, based on how you speak, based on how you dress, based on how you represent what you represent. The world is always watching you. I had a friend, he's, he's like a rapper. And one of the things that he said is, oh, man, I see you preaching. He's like, you always have a fresh shirt on. This is in the days of Robert Graham. He's not, he's not religious. He doesn't like God looks on the heart. He doesn't understand that. So he looks at what he sees and then determines, am I going to let this person speak into my life or not? So the world is watching you to see if you're someone worth listening to. 
Like, that's something that you should really consider. Okay. I think that if I can communicate one thing is I really want you to understand two things. The Father desires to spend time with you. I just bought my kids PlayStation 5 for Christmas, which is really for me. <laughs> but, do you know the real ploy of that really, what it really is about? Yep. It's about getting us all in the same room with laughter, talking, and memories because the time is ticking. And what your children remember about you when they're young will determine how they engage with you when they're old. Zoe says, you can live with me. I'm going to have a house by the beach with horses. I said, that's beautiful. I'll spend all my money on a car. I'm joking. But how you treat your children when they're young will determine how they want to in interact with you when they're, when they're older. So when I bought that PlayStation, it was not so Sarah can beat me in hockey. <laughs> it was so that, which happened, it is so that we could be together and enjoy each other's company and build memories that are based on the innocence of kids having fun. So, how much more do you think your heavenly father wants to be with you? Your heavenly father gave Jesus for you. He made a new and living way. Priests could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. Jesus ripped the veil in his own flesh and says, you have all access all the time. The only thing that will keep you from coming is you. Which means you could have of much, as much of God as you're willing to give up of yourself. You have full access. To me, that's the most profound thing about the whole gospel truth is that he would live with us, be with us, and give us full access to himself. Which means that you have everything that you need. And there was a day years ago where I, I came to the Father and I came into the secret place, closed my door in my office and began to pray. And as soon as I started, he said this to me, I've been waiting for you all day. And many times we think that we're waiting on God when in reality God is waiting on us. God wants to hear your voice. God wants to interact with you. God wants to know what is on your heart today. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. So we learn two things about the Father. We learn that He sees in secret. This is why you can't hide from God. You may try to play us out or play yourself out, but you can't play God out. God is omniscient. He sees it all and still loves us. <laughs> that's, that's good news. And so now Jesus is teaching us that his father sees in secret with the intention of rewarding openly, but he's also telling us that the father is in secret, in other words, he is waiting for us to be present with us so that what happens behind closed doors, he can then reward you openly with. And one of the things that I think that this is, you know, he said to Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. One of the things that I, I, I think that really happens with someone who is a secret place person is that God will show the world that he's with them. And, and people, people will see it and go, what? How did that happen? 
God is with me. Um, Daniel, thrown into the lion's den. Everything's different when God's there. The mouth is shut. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into the fire. It can't burn them. Everything is different when God's there. It's safer to be in a lion's den or in a furnace in the right season than it is to be in a king's palace out of season. It was more dangerous for David to be on his terrace than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in a fire in the wrong season. You, you need to know where you're supposed to be. David was supposed to be out fighting war, and he was rejoicing in his last victory, and he lost the front lines. You know why he lost the front lines? Because he lost the secret place. Whenever you lose the secret place, you lose the front lines. And when you lose the front lines and you're not showing up to the battle that God says is yours, you're going to be in a real dangerous position. His eyes should have never even been over there. He should have been out to battle. Spring is when kings went out for war. He should have never been over there. All right. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So now, Jesus is assaulting two different ideas. First of all, He's assaulting the religious folks who they love to go to church and pray and sound good on the microphone and tell God how many Bible verses they know so people can go, wow, you are... Amazing. They have their reward. Nobody cares. The next idea he's assassinating is the, the pagan idea, the Gentile idea that talking and talking and talking and talking is going to wake up the gods. Okay? So when Jesus is talking on prayer, he's teaching two things that are in the culture. They are cultural beliefs or cultural norms that are the antithesis of how the kingdom of God works. You do not pray to be heard by people. You pray to hear God and to be heard by God. You do not repeat yourself because God is not sleeping. You don't have to wake him up. You don't have to run upstairs on your knees. You don't have to sacrifice your children. You don't have to, you don't have to do those things. So Jesus is going after ideas in the current culture, right, that would hinder our prayer life. One of the great ideas that will hinder our prayer life in this culture is neither one of those things. One of the great things that will hinder our prayer life in this current culture is distraction. Distraction. How things that are not important scream at you like they're urgent. The, wrong, the more out of order your priorities are, the more important things will feel that are not important. And I find that it's very easy to neglect my responsibilities for something that I deem as important when in reality it's not. What is actually more important is who and what I'm responsible for. I'm not responsible for people who don't respond to me. I am responsible for people who I'm going to be held accountable for speaking to. So you have to really discern that. So he goes into this whole thing of, Prayer, do not uh, repeat yourself, vain repetitions like the heathen do, for your father knows the things that you have need of. So the vain repetitions is rooted in unbelief and it's rooted in our needs. You know what orphans pray about? Needs. Orphans pray about needs. Sons pray about wants. Mature sons pray their father's will. Which the fastest way to get what you want is his will. The fastest way for my kids to get blessed 
is to participate with what I'm saying. That's the fastest way for the next breakthrough. The next game, the next, the next controller, the next thing will come to them faster if they cooperate with what I'm saying. If they do not cooperate with what I'm saying, it will take longer. And, and people don't realize that. They think that the fastest way to get what they want is to try to get what they want. Instead of doing what God wants, He will redefine what you want, He will sanctify what you want, and He will give you what He wants for you, which is better than what you want for yourself. Because until you mature and until you, you, your, your appetites are sanctified, you will settle for something less than He has for you. Especially when you get impatient, you start getting desperate. I remember last time I was going to buy a car, I started going on Route 46. I was like crackhead desperate. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going on Route 46. You go on Route 46. I'm not doing that. I'm going to some dealership. I'm not. Because when you get desperate, you make bad decisions. When something feels too urgent and too, you, you, you do dumb stuff. All right. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debtors as we forgive our debtors. Uh, forgive us our debts, rather, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So prayer begins and ends with Father. That's very important. That will secure you. Fathers secure children. Fathers, not mothers. I'm sorry. You ladies, you're amazing. You do an amazing thing. We can't do it without you. But prayer begins and ends with Father. If that relationship is not right. That is the one relationship that will define all of the other relationships. So God knows the brokenness of the human condition, so he sends his son into the world to restore us back to father. So you say, I didn't have a dad growing up. You have a father in heaven. Let him heal that. If he heals that, you'll, you'll, you will gravitate toward the right man. If he doesn't heal that, you will probably not gravitate toward the right man. So, when you have brokenness, the thing, the enemy, when the enemy causes brokenness in someone, the problem with brokenness is that brokenness causes you desire things that are destructive for you. See, and when God brings healing to your life, you begin to desire things that will bring health and blessing into your life. Okay? I'll give you an example. I could have married my past. I chose not to. The smartest thing I did was marry Sarah. She said, the Lord said to me, she will do you good all the days of your life. I go, sign me up. I don't know what she gets, but sign me up. <laughs> sign me up for that. That sounds like a good deal. She will do you good all the days of your life, which means that she's probably going to outlive me. So she'll do you good all the days of your life. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> sign me up. But the reason she was able to do that is because she was a whole person. She was not fragmented. She didn't have 26 soul ties to the block, this one, that one, you know, Jenny from the block and, you know, Susie from the football team. No, I'm serious. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, d disrespectful. But when you are not whole, you cannot wholly give yourself to a person because you're not whole. So you come to a marriage with 21 soul ties and 14 bondages and three father wounds. What do you think you can give the marriage? Not what the marriage needs. So what, what, what has to happen? You have to get healed. 
you have, you have to allow, allow the Lord to make you whole. Where does he do that? In the secret place. See, that, that's a private work. God goes to work on the brokenhearted in the secret place. Not only the counseling room. That's good too. Do that. I'm, I'm for that. Yes. But, but start in the secret place. Start with an open heart, an open Bible, an open journal. Start allowing the Lord to come into the real places and real spaces in your life because God wants to make you whole. I cannot serve God or seek God wholeheartedly if I'm not whole. I cannot care about you well if I'm not whole. I cannot be the type of father my children need if I'm not whole. So wholeness and being healthy and having your soul restored and having prosperity of soul, which is the overflow of God on the inside, that starts with you allowing God to work deeply in your life. And this is essential to your Christian witness. This is essential to your Christian experience. This is essential for the people who spend every day with you. How, how, do, how do they experience you? The people closest to you, how do they experience you? Do you experience me to be a joyful, happy person? Or every time you see me, I'm tired and beat up. What do the people closest to you feel when they're around you? When someone listens to your voice, what do they hear on your voice print? Okay. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, you are growing in humility, generosity, patience, and self-control. Let's go back to Father. His kingdom come, His will be done. His will is also his purpose. His purpose is so his kingdom, his rule, reign, and realm being released into the earth, not going to heaven when you die. There's no battle for you to go to heaven when you die. You can get born again and die, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be in paradise till he makes heaven and earth new again. The contention is to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. When you start doing that, religious people go, healing is not for today. But they'll go to the doctor. Prosperity is not for today, but you live in a $2 million house in California. The contention, when you talk about the kingdom of God breaking into the earth, the doctor says, nope. That's, joy is not for today. I got, I got meds for you. Oh, freedom is not for today. We'll have a sex change on your child. Then they'll feel free. Freedom is not for today. Go ahead and have sex with everyone you want. Yep, one in four of you have an STD. <laughs> it's like, this is our generation of people. So, but, so the contention is when the kingdom way of doing things pushes up against the earth. And that's what Jesus is doing, but first in the minds and in the hearts of his people. He's saying, don't pray to be heard and to be people go, oh, wow, look at him. Don't give to people go, oh, look at that. No, that's not why. Don't keep repeating yourself in prayer to wake up the gods because this is the living God who knows what you need before you ask. And the vain repetition is not you praying, God, let your kingdom come. God, let your kingdom come. No, no, it's about what you need. That's why people talk about what they need, need, need. That's not what prayer is about. If that is what your prayer life is about, you will have a boring prayer life. And then if your life ever gets blessed and you don't have needs, then you're really in trouble. Then you're going to really misbehave. Because now you have a little bit of money and you can do things you want. Wait, wait, do you, wait do you make a fool out of yourself now. No, don't do that. Prayer is about aligning with the kingdom. It's about aligning with the king. It's about coming under his leadership. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your purposes. Give us this day our daily bread. So we're asking him to provide. 
We're asking him to forgive. We're asking him to lead us, but not into temptation, which means if you don't forgive those who have trespassed against you, you will be led into temptation. In fact, not only temptation, you will be turned over to the tormentors. In Matthew 18, what happened to the guy who wanted justice for his neighbor, but mercy for himself? He was handed over to the tormentors. Remember the guy whose debt was forgiven and then he went to go and collect everyone's debt? And they said, no, 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 you're going to be turned over to the tormentors. You know what unforgiveness does? Unforgiveness turns people over to the tormentors. There are people who are listening, who are watching, who are here. You live with torment because of unforgiveness. Unless you forgive, you will live with torment. And people who need to be forgiven usually don't ask. So if you're waiting for someone to say, please forgive me, you might be waiting until you die. As a Christian, we're supposed to live with a disposition of mercy because we have received mercy. Mercy will affect your soul, your heart, your home. Mercy will affect your finances. Mercy will affect how situations favor you because you've shown mercy. Mercy is very powerful. Mercy is more powerful than judgment because mercy can transform someone. Judgment just... But mercy is transformational. And God doesn't run out of mercy. We run out of time. So we should take mercy seriously. Okay, do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Do not lead us into temptation means do not allow me to be drawn away inwardly by something that is destructive to me. Invite God into your desires. God, I invite you into the desires of my heart. You have to learn to be intimate and transparent with the Lord. He knows anyway. He's waiting for you to be fully honest and really authentic with him so he can step into that situation. You don't have to pretend with God. You don't have to be like, I'm okay, brother. No, no. Everybody knows you're not okay. It's all right. Deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Again, prayer begins and ends with the Father. It's about his will, his kingdom, his provision, his forgiveness, his leadership, and his deliverance. That's so prayer restores us back to the Father. Back to the Father. Think of it like a shower. Ask the Lord to shower you with his mercies and love. The mercies of God, they're new every morning. Step into the new mercy today. Step into the grace that you have for today. For if you forgive men, for if you forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place." And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know the great reward is victory. When, when you have victory in your life, you know, what you, you know what you tell people? You tell them it's possible. When, when you see someone who has been through a hellish situation and they have joy on their face, it tells you about another realm of possibilities. That testimony is supposed to make you hungry. A testimony is not supposed to make you jealous or envious. It's supposed to actually change your appetite. You, you know, that's, a, that's an important thing. Taste and see uh, that the Lord is good. Be careful as you wait because impatience can lead to idolatry. So there may be some things that you're praying for that God is going to do. He's just not going to do them now. I've seen this in our life. In year 10 of the ministry that we started, God began to do things we asked for in year one. Year 10. So don't, don't lose heart and don't be like, wow, he didn't do it fast enough. The, he's working on you. The problem is not him answering a prayer. He can, 
the problem is usually it's like are you the type of person that can steward the answer to prayer you want more you can't even handle what you have more okay well we're going back to this one again. Secret sins will keep you from the secret place. Don't let them. It's not a secret to God. Can I tell you that? Hebrews says that everything is naked to his eyes. You know those burning eyes? They see right through it all. Iniquity will rob you of intimacy. Iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is... When you're doing the wrong thing and you know you're doing the wrong thing and you kind of like doing the wrong thing and you intend on doing the wrong thing, that is intentional and that will rob you of the life that God has for you. Sin stops God from knowing, uh, you from knowing God. Iniquity stops God from knowing you. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You don't want to be on the other end of that conversation. So what does that mean? That means when the Lord brings something up in your life that is not right, that you allow him to deal with it and you confess it and you repent and you stop participating in it. Do not allow sin to stop you from seeking the Lord. Bring your sins to the Lord. He paid for them and you can be free from them. Any doctrine, this is my last statement, any doctrine that says you can't be free from sin is devaluing the price Jesus paid for you on Calvary. For you were bought with a price. So if someone tries to misquote Romans 7 to you and says the things that I don't want to do, I do. If someone comes with that, you better say that's not true. You don't even know what you're talking about. Anyone who wants to use Scripture as an excuse to sin does not know the purpose of Scripture. The Scripture is to bring you into a living encounter with Jesus where you know Scripture and the power of God. Jesus said to the religious people, you err, you go into error because you don't know the Scriptures nor the power of God. The Scriptures are supposed to bring you into an encounter with the Spirit. The Scriptures are, are supposed to release hope into your life so that you do the right thing, so that you receive what God says you would receive as you do the right thing. It's the same thing of if you seek the kingdom first and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. What things? The things that the Gentiles seek after. What I'm going to wear, where I'm going to live, where I'm going to eat. All those things will be added to you. You don't give God the opportunity to add to you if, though, if he is not first. When you put him first, you're giving him the opportunity to add to you. In fact, he's actually obligated to add to you if you put him first. He's obligated because he's not a man that he should lie. And if someone is putting his kingdom first and someone is putting him first, it will be visible to the world around them that God is, in fact, involved in the life of this person because look at the things that happens. It cannot happen simply by him or simply by them. It's God who is behind it. Yeah. <coughs> See, and that is the testimony of the Lord, and that's what, pe what brings people into the real evidence of a living God. When you say God is living, how? What does that mean? Living to who? And living where? Well, just come and see. Just come and see. Just come and hang out. Sit down. Sit there for a year and watch. You'll see. Because he does things that we can't do. He makes things happen we cannot make happen. It's him. So anyone that tells you you cannot live in the freedom that he paid for, Reject that. So I don't know what your struggle is, but I can tell you this. God is stronger than your struggle. Whatever you're struggling with, God is stronger than the struggle. And he will use the struggle to strengthen you. 
God will use the very thing that came to assassinate you to teach you how to fight. All right, let's pray. I failed my 47-minute uh, attempt there. So, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you wait for us in the secret place, that you are so willing and open to hear from us. And so we want to end this year and begin a new year, Lord, with seeking after you, searching for you, seeking for the things that you've hidden for us, pressing into you, Lord. You are exceedingly great reward. And I thank you that you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So help us to be diligent in our seeking you. In Jesus' name. Amen.